This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you for being here today. Happy New Year. Happy 2023. I am excited about this episode today with Ellie Hennes. She is a professional runner for Adidas Living in Flagstaff and really cool. Last week, we did a rerun episode with her mom, Lori, Coach Lori Hennes who is the coach at NC State. They just won their second national title in cross country at NC State. Really, really big deal. And I have always loved listening to Lori talk about their team culture. And Ellie runs professionally now, but she was on the NC State team. She ran for her mom. And I think that is just a really unique situation. She is an NCAA champion in the 5K. She did that in 2021. Just a really cool thing because it was exactly 30 years after her mom became the NCAA 5K champion at NC State as well. So, so, so cool. She's a 10-time All-American, six-time ACC champion. And after she won the NCAA title in the 5K, she went on to place sixth at the Olympic trials. No expectations, went to the Olympic trials, placed sixth, And there's so much to look forward to for Ellie. And I'm really excited to cheer her on. We do talk about her running, but we also talk about mental health a lot in this episode. And she's one that you're going to want to connect with and be watching for sure. She has a PR of 1452, which she ran in Berlin last year in the 5K. If you would have asked her if she would have been running those times so quickly, she would have said no. But her coach, Mike Smith would have said, uh, yeah, he has a really strong belief in what she can do. And we hear about that unique relationship uh, from being coached by her mom to now being coached by Mike Smith. I just really loved hearing about it. And I know you will too. All right, friends, please come join me in Jacksonville, Florida, the weekend of February 3rd through 5th for the Donna Marathon weekend. It is going to be a blast. It's a blast every year for a great cause. The Donna Marathon Weekend supports the Donna Foundation, which helps people who are walking through a breast cancer diagnosis and also funds groundbreaking research. There's a 5K, there's a half marathon, and there's a marathon, so you can pick. I usually do the half marathon. You can use the code LINDSAY10 for 10% off your registration. The race starts and finishes on the beaches of Jacksonville, Florida at Jacksonville Beach. You don't run on the sand though, it's a flat, fast course. And the weather is usually awesome. We're going to have a fun shakeout run and meetup. And I cannot wait to see so many of you there. Uh, go to breastcancermarathon.com. Use that code Lindsay10 and that'll get you 10% off your registration. I hope to see you there. Please leave us a rating and review if you enjoy this podcast. That helps new listeners find our show. And of course, we give away a pair of Gooder sunglasses. We just do a random drawing from all the new ratings and reviews every month. So you could be entered to win if you go leave a rating and review on iTunes. All right, please enjoy my conversation with Ellie Hennis. All right, 
Well, today on the podcast, we have Ellie Hennis on the show. Welcome to the show, Ellie. Thanks, Lindsay. How's it going in Flagstaff? Been good. We've got a lot of uh, a lot of snow out here the last few days, so it's been good, but been in the house a lot. So, oh my gosh, it's rainy and cold here in Raleigh, and uh, we're packing to go home to Indiana tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be even colder there. I don't want to do it. That's so classic, though, of Raleigh. Like, just the it's like what forty degrees, thirty five degrees, and rainy all winter. Yes, or seventy. The random days of 70 degrees. Those are nice. Yeah, like a random. Yeah, it's been kind of dreary this week, but I think it's supposed to get up to 50s next week. So not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Never a white. Yeah. No, we had one snow day last year and like the entire city shut down like there was a blizzard and, you know, us Indiana folks were like cracking up because we were like, what? Starbucks isn't open today. The library is closed. What's going on? They don't know how to handle it. No. Uh, so this is actually extra fun for me, though, because you are from Raleigh. Oh, yeah. It's it's so cool to hear that, like, you're living there now. I don't know. I just feel like it's – I really like Raleigh. I think it's a great place to live, great place to raise a family, all that kind of stuff. So I do miss it sometimes. Raleigh's awesome. Yeah. Well, take us back to that. Let's get, Let's start there with the conversation growing up in Raleigh and then running for NC State with your mom as your coach. Um, I've heard that you didn't necessarily want to originally go to NC State. Yeah, I, um, I've, I feel like I've talked about it before too, but I definitely was pretty rebellious in my teenage years. <laughs> um, and I think, I think naturally, I mean, I know it's not this black and white, but I think that in my mind, it's like, okay, there's two ways you can go with like running parents. You either can be like really, really into it and like runner nerd and like, this is exactly what I want to do with my life. Or like, yeah, I want absolutely nothing to do with that. Uh-huh. And I think I was kind of stuck in the middle because, because I mean, from the beginning, like, um, like when I first started training for, for running, like I wasn't exactly, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. My mom was pretty hands off with all of that. I think she just wanted me to find it by myself but her and my dad both kind of knew um, from a young age that like there was potential there. And, um, and I'm just like a really competitive person, like to my core, I'm really, really not fun to play uh, board games with when I get, <laughs> when I get too into it. And I was that way with like every sport with soccer, with swimming, with basketball, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I wanted to be really good at everything, but at the end of the day, I was, I was just better at like stealing the ball and getting it down the field or the court like the <laughs> fastest. And then I could not score anything to save my life. Um, so it, I mean, it ended up coming down to, I feel like pretty much like the, the sports I went into the latest doing were probably swimming and running and then, um, and then went towards running. And um, I was really lucky to have um, some great, great high school coaches. Like my, I went to two different high schools. I went to Athens first and then Green Hope for the rest of the, time so Athens was just freshman year and um Green Hope was the next three and especially when I was at at Athens first my freshman year I was very much like I don't know if running's for me I just do it for fun I like competing and I like doing well but I, I just had like a lot of interest outside of the sport too and I, and I still do but I think at the time I was I thought it was one or the other I was like okay I can either like do choir and want to act and want to do all this kind of other stuff um, or run. So then I was kind of back and forth on all that stuff, but yeah, eventually going to, going to Green Hope and all that stuff. I, I um, 
just got more into it. And also like, I would have talks with my mom and my coach and I'd be like, Hey, I want to be really good. Um, how do I do that? And they're like, maybe by running more than like 15 miles a week, <laughs> and, like, you know, maybe eating not junk food every single day or, you know, just like the, the basics of stuff. I wonder how hard that was for your mom to hold back knowing, well, knowing what her experiences were and that she had such success being a, a coach in the NCAA and then knowing like you had this gift, like wanting to give you advice, but also not push you so that you could grow into your own. It'd be interesting to hear a deep conversation with her about that. Yeah, I think that we like, I feel like we touch on it a bit more and more every year because like my love for the sport has, has grown like separate from my mom. And then also like, I feel like there's a lot of um, overlap just with, with her being my mom and being my coach and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like we've gotten to know each other and our relationships with, um, with running and her coaching me and seeing me grow up through the sport. It's like, yeah, there's a lot, for us to cover and I feel like every year we get deeper and deeper into that kind of uh those those conversations I'm so curious what that was like with her being your coach though because I I gather that when you go to college and you meet your cross-country coach and you're you know competing at this very high level it's a little bit intimidating I would assume that most people are a little bit intimidated and that's a completely different scenario that you walked into than almost anybody else. I mean, I was definitely intimidated <laughs> because I think that because um, because of her being my mom, I think that it was like what well, we both knew was going to be a, a pretty hard dynamic to navigate. And I don't know if either of us, like we didn't talk about it much, I guess, going into it was mm -hmm. something that I like realize now is like we kind of were just like, yeah, let's just see how it goes. Like, throw ourselves into it and it definitely took a little bit of an adjustment period just because like um like I said like with the rebellious stage and all that kind of stuff I think that she she saw me at I mean she's my mom she saw me at parts of my life where like I I was lacking a lot of motivation or passion or stuff or like a lot of things in life not just running and so um I was I always loved more of the tough love kind of um motivation and she was good at giving that to her daughter, um, <laughs> knew what to say, knew how to hit home. But <laughs> like, that was kind of like navigating that in the first two years. And then I, I guess I kind of, you know, I just grew up, became more independent, got to that point where I was like, okay, like, now I don't need you to tell me that, you know, I need to get my shit together, like every single week, because I'm already doing that for myself, you know, and, and growing up and becoming more independent. So, um, yeah, that, that dynamic we, we had to figure out a little bit, but it was, it was like, yeah, I don't think we really talked about it much going into it. We were just like, let's just see how it goes. And it went well. And your mom, by the way, Lori Hennis was just announced a uh, coach of the year, her and Mike Smith, which is also another really cool piece to this story because now you're coached by Mike Smith. So like, having the coaching of two of the most well-respected coaches in college, you know, and in the NCAAs and are you seeing similarities in how they coach? Um, I like that they both, um, like when I talked to either of them or like, I don't want it to sound like they, they don't have personality. They both have, they both have big personalities. Um, but it's like, they're very consistent 
And I think they both really value consistency and keeping that like stability and level. Like in this sport, you kind of like, I mean, I, I think it's very important to be consistent um, or at least balanced when it comes to lifestyle, emotions, like all that kind of stuff. Um, like not get, not letting it get too high, not letting it get too low. Um, and obviously like those emotions and those bad days, good days are going to come and go. But I think when I say balance, like, yeah, maybe you have a month that's like really low, a month that's pretty high and it, it all evens out. But I think that they both uh, value consistency and I definitely like can tell that from the way that they talk to their athletes and the way that they coach. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool to see both of them dominating the way that they are. <laughs> I like that you wanted to protect their personality image. Like, they're not boring, I swear. <laughs> they're not at all. <laughs> um, before we get into the professional running chat a little bit, let's talk about when you won the 5K in, in 2021, um, NCAA champion. Man, you were really coming off some crazy times. Like, you were one of the college students who really had to weather COVID in training and competing and not competing during those times. I was, I think I was, I, yeah, I was actually red shirting, like, when everything kind of closed down. Like, I remember when Nationals, like, I was in Albuquerque when things got canceled and everything was shutting down. And I think there was just so much um, uncertainty with, like, I mean, everything that was going on in the world and then also within our smaller sport of running and I think that was like an interesting balance too like because obviously like I, I feel like when you have big passions and and they're like so important to you that's at the forefront of your mind so like my first thought was like oh my gosh like what are we going to do without nationals what are we training for what's the what's the purpose what's the why of doing mm. all of this stuff um and I do think that it really helped a lot of people become more introspective in that way and like really figure out um what they're doing and, and why they're doing it and and um I mean it's kind of shown you know like in performances and stuff like um people had more time to train and and were open to more knowledge of how to train more like a pro or all that kind of stuff because you think about like school shutting down and everything kind of shutting down for a bit people were just able to kind of train and and recover, which is, you know, like the pro life. And I think it showed a lot in results in college and, and otherwise, but yeah, it was definitely, um, it was an interesting time just figuring out motivation and passion and, um, all while figuring out, I feel like a lot of people were figuring out place and, and feeling about the world around them. So. Yeah, because when you're when you're competing like that, like so much is hinging on like certain performances or certain races. And when that's taken away, it's like, what is the purpose? Why am I doing this in the first place? And obviously what we know is that um, the outcome of one race. It matters, but it doesn't matter all that much at the end of the day. So I think that that's a really good point. Um, but then you, you, so you were redshirting, that was your senior year. And then you come back your fifth year for mm -hmm. the, okay. Yeah. And what people listening need to know is that that was 30 years after your mom won that same race, which I mean, it's just extra cool that it was third, exactly 30 years, but, um, uh, yeah. Tell us about celebrating that with her. That was, um, I mean, I think it like, like that makes it special, like, especially because it was exactly 30 years and like the stadium's been, you know, redone, but same, same stadium, same Hayward field um, and all that, like, 
it was it was really cool to have her there and for her to have experienced that before. She said that she was um she was watching and I forget who she was standing with. Maybe it was it was probably Marisa. Um and they were just watching us go into the last lap and apparently my mom like either turned around, like covered her eyes. Like Marisa was like, Look, she's kicking and my mom was like, I can't watch this. <laughs> like this is too much. <laughs> Cause I mean she's got a lot of like emotional time all that investment into that as well so um yeah it was a pretty special moment but it's like you said like with everything being shut down and there being a lot of uncertainty of of, like training if those meets were going to happen all that kind of stuff it was just really um it was it felt amazing just to even be out there competing and to be doing um what I love and yeah I think that it was really special overall just like the experience of, of being back at outdoor nationals again, because that was my second outdoor NCAAs. And I, yeah, that's, I, I got to do two. The first one did not go very well. Mm. Second one, I was like, okay, this makes up for it. I love that vision of her and Marisa standing there together and Marisa telling your mom, like, you got to look, you got to watch. Mm-hmm. So but she couldn't do it. Did she Finally, like with the last oh, yeah. okay. I was saying, yeah, did she, she, she see the home stretch? Yeah, she got to see it. She, uh, I think it was probably like peeking through mm-hmm. like this. Like she was just so nervous. But yeah. to be fair, I mean, yeah, I think like I don't think this is a hot take, but I think that it one hundred percent is harder to watch a race than to race it. Mm-hmm. Like when you're in the race, like I, I was thinking this with NCAA's um, when Hannah and I went to Stillwater to watch the girls. It's it's an incredible moment because you're like watching all this come together and it's awesome. But like you, I mean, when you, you care a lot about it, but you don't have control. So you're just kind of watching it. And like the gun goes off, you still have all those nerves when you're racing, the gun goes off and you're in the moment, like the nerves are gone. They're out the window. You get to get it all out. But when you're cheering and and running around, it's like just anxiety the whole time. So I can't even imagine what my mom was feeling. (laughs) A quick break. To let you know about Prevenex, this is where I get all of my vitamins and supplements, and they are clinically effective, proven to help with longevity, performance, and everyday health. They have a wonderful protein powder, their Nurify Plus, chocolate and vanilla. We use it every day in my house. I use it. My kids use it. We make smoothies with it. It is delicious, and it is packed with nutrients. I take their multivitamins and their Joint Health Plus supplement every day. If you have achy joints, and you're looking to protect your joints, go check it out. They have a money-back guarantee. If you do not see a difference in 90 days, you will get your money back. They believe in their products. I believe in their products. They also have vitamins for your kids that my kids take, and they have a give-back model. So they donate a bottle of children's vitamins to malnourished kids around the world for every purchase that you make. So it's just a great company with high-quality ingredients that work. Go to Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your first order. And when you support a sponsor of this podcast, you are also supporting this podcast and the work that I do and the people that work behind the show. So for that, I thank you. And you'll get really good products as well. So that's Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER to get 15% off your order. All right, back to the show. Does that happen for you when you race? Like, do the nerves go away when you start? Yes. And I mean, 
the racing, the racing nerves and racing anxiety usually last up until uh, pretty much up until the gun goes off. I think there's been, I've done a lot more practice with just like, I don't know if I'd call it breath work, but before races, I definitely like I'm when I'm doing those warm up strides, either like indoor, outdoor, whatever, wherever I'm at, I feel like I'm just trying to, I definitely do it a lot where I'll, I'll close my eyes and like, just take this like really full breath and just try to blow it all out. And like with that, just all the nerves. And so like, I think stepping up to the line, I've been a lot more calm in races within the last like probably two years, but like, I definitely, I feel like the racing nerves, they, they go up until the gun goes off. And then right when the gun goes off, you're in game mode and all that goes out the window. Um, not to, not to say there aren't like times within the race where a move will be made or something will happen where, where you kind of have to make a choice or make a decision and that's like in those moments I feel like I definitely have races where I can remember taking too long to think or taking like um just kind of hesitating for too long and then and then a lot of times it's like that was the move that like doesn't end the race but yeah <laughs> it takes me out of the race sometimes um and so yeah really working on that uh that hesitation period and, and trying to minimize it because usually when the action is just taken then it usually goes over well but when I hesitate or when I like let that those nerves kind of take over then it's definitely shown before do you think it's gotten better like um like and and what have you, skills have you learned and who have you learned them from as the years have gone on to manage that do you work with a sports psychologist um yeah so in in college I worked with a sports psychologist that uh worked at the school um so that was nice because that was really convenient her office was like in the locker room area so I was able to go see her a good amount um and now I just I work with um a woman in town that I found through psychology today I think it's basically like LinkedIn for psychologists which is really great I would love to plug that one as well because it really is just like you know it like psychologists near you and like they have basically like what they've um, studied and specialized in and stuff like that, which was really helpful for me, like in that in that process, because I found um, the woman that I work with, um, she played D1 softball. So I feel like it was nice to have like she had a sports background, but she's a clinical psychologist. So because I think like I liked the sports psychology um, in college, but I think that it was a bit too sports oriented, whereas like a lot of my anxiety um overwhelming thoughts like emotions all that kind of stuff came from outside of the sport and like mm -hmm. the sport has really been a way to like learn how to manage those thoughts and emotions um and it's kind of been like the safe space so I think it was it was nice to have it was nice to sit down and be like hey I'm having like a lot of these issues and it'd be more about like okay let's let's trace back to where that started and all that kind of stuff instead of like okay let's make a race plan or like visualize all that you know what I mean I think that it's it just depends like what you're what you're looking for and where that stress um, comes from, because it, de it definitely can come from the sport. And there are times that it does come from the sport. But I think the majority and the root cause of a lot of that stuff comes from outside of running. So when you're working with the psychologist, like you're not focused on running most of the time. Most of the time, no, I think that like not to get too personal. No, yeah, it's all good because I, I definitely love talking about anything psychology-wise um, and psychoanalyzing myself and others. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, um, yeah, most of the time I'm I'm talking about 
stuff that's completely un like in my mind unrelated to running. But then I think it's it is really interesting to see how that stuff plays out in um in how we race because I think that racing is an art and I think that it's also a very very vulnerable place to put yourself in, which I think is part of why we put so much weight on on races um and build them up to be like you were saying earlier like one race doesn't define who you are your career and stuff like that but sometimes in the moment it can like really really feel like it and I think a lot of that comes from like yeah like that weight that we that we put on it is like yeah it goes back to like the vulnerabilities outside of Mm. running because you put yourself out there in a failure a quote-unquote failure on the track can feel like a failure to yourself which can trigger either old traumas or just like self-esteem stuff like just the way that you the way that you view yourself and and carry yourself I think it comes into the running stuff a lot so your interest in psychology like I know you also have a personal interest in working in that field one day you're young to know that you need to work with a psychologist I feel like have you been doing that for a long time and I think that that's something that's being talked about a lot like when you have mental health struggles like I actually just started seeing a therapist for the very first time in my 39 years of life last week, um, which was a huge, huge, huge. I mean, this is something I've been putting off for 20 years. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm happy and scared. But um, <laughs> how, how do you think you like were in tune to this at such a young age? Because this dates back mm-hmm. earlier, too. Yeah, Um well, first off, I think it's awesome that you are seeing a therapist. I think that it, I think the hardest part is like, is that initial, like, just push to actually go because, um, cause I think it's hard, like with therapy in general, I, 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 someone made the analogy once to like dating or like finding like yes. the one. And I don't necessarily think it's like the one, I think there's multiple ones when it comes to therapy and, and um, partners and also, yeah, <laughs> and partners. um, but like. I think that it's, it is about finding someone that you, that you can feel comfortable with and opening up to. So I think a lot of times it does help to kind of, um, look around, see what, see what you like, see who you feel comfortable with, that kind of stuff. And I think that that's hard for some people, especially with like money Mm -hmm. when it comes to, um, therapy. That's one of the things that like, I am pretty passionate about too, is like therapy is expensive and our mental and emotional health is just as, just as if not sometimes more important than our physical health. And so I do think that it's, it should be uh, more available to everyone, especially like in sports and stuff like that. So hopefully can, can work on that someday, but I feel like in, in the sports world in general, um, at some point it'd be really awesome to see. And I don't know if some people like already do this and um, I actually haven't even talked to <laughs> talk to people about it yet because I just like started seeing this new psychologist, but I do think it'd be really, really awesome if like physio um, and other stuff like that could include money for sports psych- yeah. psychology or something like that. I think that would be that'd be really cool to see. But in general, I think the reason that I that I think it's so awesome is that I think a lot of people um, like when it comes to physical therapy and running, um, we're told not to. But a lot of people do. We wait until we're injured, mm-hmm. you know, to mm-hmm. start going to do physical therapy and massage and chiro and all that kind of stuff. Um, but usually it's like, it's preventative, you know, you're trying to prevent those big injuries and you're trying to stay healthy and all that stuff. And I think the same thing with psychology. I think a lot of people wait until this big, like something huge happens and it feels like there's no way of moving forward. And you're like, okay, now I need a therapist. But I really think that 
it's really important to like use it as um as that like maintenance work you know for your for your brain um because i think it's really important and i i say that knowing that i didn't do that but i think also i was at like like i was at a young age the first time i started going to therapy i think was my sophomore year of high school wow. junior year maybe. um i when I was younger, I was kind of, a, I was a very weird kid. Um, and I was like the, I was the type to like whatever book I was reading or show I was interested in. Like I was at recess, like completely becoming that character. Uh-huh. And yeah, so I had a few friends, but <laughs> one of my main friends was actually my, um, the school counselor. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. I'd like go to her office cause she had all these games to play and she was really nice. And I just like hanging out with her. Um, so I feel like at that point it was like nice to feel just like, um, like yeah like you're welcomed and you're really getting that like one-on-one attention from from um like an older adult at the school so I think that like seeing her and what she was doing I um like that kind of started the spark of like I want to go into psychology or counseling or something of that nature but that was in like elementary school so that was like way way back um and then in high school actually yeah like the reason that I ended up going in the first place was um I was I was in a deeper state of depression and it, it got to the point where I was self-harming and was um, contemplating suicide and like finally opened up to my parents about that. And they kind of like saw, you know, what was going on. They could tell that something wasn't exactly right. And that's when they were like, okay, we're going to, you're going to start seeing a therapist. Like we're going to try to start getting you to work through this stuff because, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really doing it on my own. Um, And I was, I just remember being so against it too, even with like, you know, from that young age being like, oh, I like counselors and I like therapy and all that stuff. I remember being like, there's nothing wrong with me. Like, I'm just sad. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I just feel numb. And at some point, like something's going to happen, something's going to change and everything's just going to turn around. And uh, spoiler alert, doesn't usually happen that way. Um, But yeah, I think they helped me to realize and like my therapist helped me to realize that like the only way that. I was going to start working through that stuff was by taking action and, and I don't want to say like, I want to say taking accountability because mm. I do think that it's, it's up to the individual to, um, to really like take actions and take steps to like kind of turn the mental state around. But I do also want to very much recognize that depression and anxiety and all that stuff can be very chemical and isn't just something that you can snap out of and isn't just something that's like a quick fix. Um, but I do think that therapy is, is very helpful with that stuff. And it's helped me a lot with managing it because like that depression comes and goes. And, um, especially within the sport, I think that sometimes you can like notice patterns of like, even like throughout like seasons and like, like the training period and the racing period and the off season. I think that, I think that like, it is kind of funny how not, I don't know, funny, but it's been funny to me to see. I'm like, I take those two weeks off and I'm like, huh, why do I feel like, so bad right now mm-hmm. and then then I get back to running and I'm like oh I needed to exercise I needed this. <laughs> uh wow what a what a scary thing for you and your parents to walk through though as a parent myself I you know I think that's one of your your deepest fears is to hear that your child is feeling those things yeah I think it um it definitely opened up a lot of good communication I think in our in our household and it, it, especially with my sister too, I think that 
she and I were able to be there for each other a lot more because we're four years apart. Like just because we're four years apart, sometimes it's it's easier to kind of drift apart, um, especially when you're just like not in high school or middle school or whatever at the same time. And I think that yeah. brought us closer because I think like she'd been having kind of some of the same feelings and thoughts and um, and just being able to be so open with each other. I think um, like when you build that kind of support, especially with someone as close as like your family, then um, it's very, very helpful and meaningful. Is she younger than you? Mm-hmm. she's four years younger okay okay Whoo, man heavy stuff it is heavy stuff it's so good though if you feel comfortable to share that because it is such an isolating feeling and honestly when you feel like my my thing is anxiety but the anxiety gets so so strong that it turns into a depression because you're like depressed that you're so anxious then that it's controlling mm-hmm. your life um, mm-hmm. and I just like, you know, like we'll walk around target or something. Cause I have to get stuff. Like I have to live my life and I'm looking at all these people thinking, are you just like normal right now? <laughs> I'm in this like total fog and I'm just like, are you just thinking about like your groceries and you know, your errands you have to run? Are you not like in a total fog too? And, um, to hear that other people feel that way, even though you don't want them to feel that way too, it's it's helpful. It's nice to know that you're not alone in those emotions and, and that kind of stuff. And it's, I mean, I don't ever want to think of it as like, everyone's walking around in this funk and everyone's I hope they're not. How to deal with it. Like, yeah. I hope they're not. Um, but it is nice to have like a sense of community and a sense of support of like knowing that you have people to go to who can either like relate or who can you know just be there for you because I think that was one of the things with my parents is they couldn't relate Mm. um I think that was the hard part for them is they're like well we want to help we don't know how we don't know what you're feeling we don't really like you know and and I talked to my dad about this at one point because he I asked him I was it was like in a moment where I was having a little life crisis of like, do I really want to run? Am I, this was, I think this is over COVID. I was like, do I really want to run? Is this really what I want to do? Is this my passion? And I asked my dad, I was like, why do you like push me so hard into running? And he was like, well, I think you think we pushed you harder than, harder than we did. But like (laughs) one, because I could tell that you loved it. And two, because I could tell that with your life and your emotions and stuff, like you feel things very deeply. Mm. And I think that it's really important to have something like that kind of passion that, that helps you regulate those emotions and those thoughts. Um, Cause I do, I definitely feel things very deeply. Um, and I, I honestly think that without, um, without running and that therapy and stuff that like, it'd be a lot harder for me to manage um, my emotions now. So really, really grateful for the sport and for, and for psychologists. So that's why I want to end up doing that with my life because I, um, yeah, I'd like the idea of being a part of someone's journey through that kind of stuff and being able to help where I can. Yeah. That's interesting too, because a lot of, uh, not to say that a lot of people I interviewed don't have, like, I know what I'm going to do after I hang up the shoes and I'm not competing. Um, but I would say, I don't know, it feels 50, 50, like, you know, I talked to some people who know exactly what they want to do. And if running were over tomorrow, they'd they'd be going that way. And some people that are just kind of like, oh, I'm not really sure. So it's kind of fun that you know, you know where that passion is. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I know it's going to take some more schooling and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I know that yeah, for yeah. sure. But it's, it is like, 
um I think it's good for me personally like I think that if I had like all my eggs in one basket like I think that is a bit overwhelming Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. for me personally and I think that like everyone definitely operates on such an individual level when it comes to the sport so like not speaking for anyone else's experience but I think like if I if I didn't have that kind of thing I could drive myself insane just like only focusing on that one thing all the time so um I think it's helpful like to have that stuff and I and I definitely think that like pretty much every everyone I've talked to in the sport like has a lot of passions and stuff outside of running it just it's it's a consuming sport I mean the lifestyle that we live for to do this our bodies are our jobs and all that stuff and it ends up like being very very consuming Tell us about the podcast you were telling me about that you listened to before. Oh, gosh. What was – okay. I forget what her last name was. It was Mel Robbins. Robbins. She – okay. I – Rachel sent me um, – Rachel an Schneider. Episode. Rachel Schneider sent me an episode the other day. Um, I think it was, like, three steps to changing your life or something like that. She basically was like, hey, like, you know, from the conversations we've been having recently, I think this could be really helpful – um, and she sent it over and I've become obsessed now. I've been listening to, I mean, I've, got, I've only got three episodes in cause she sent me this yesterday, but, um, but I'm binge, though. and the thing is, I'm not usually a podcast person. Like I, I love listening to music. I love watching TV. I love all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to podcasts, like I think in general, I just haven't found one yet that I really like, like, I just put this on, I, I order HelloFresh every uh-huh. week. So I've got my little HelloFresh recipe um, got my headphones on <laughs> with my with Mel Robbins in my ear and I feel like I was like half paying attention at the beginning and then she said like I love the way that she makes everything so personal like she shares so much of her life and heart and soul with like her listeners um, which is something that like I want to do with like anyone really is like I think that it helps to, to open up and share those personal struggles and personal journey because it's like I mean I do believe that like pretty much anyone can give advice, even if you're not following it, but it's nice to see someone who's like, Hey, this is tried and true. And like, I went through this and like was in a really um, rough place and was really down. And I was able to, to take these steps and take them daily. And I think that, I think it was nice because just like um, the Jonah Hill documentary stuts, mm. um, they talk about something that you can do like every day. And I think that that's, um, really important to people who kind of feel overwhelmed or like crushed by the weight of anxiety or depression, which like I definitely have felt it quite a few times in my life. Um, I think that like having those daily things is great. Like the, the things that she said was um, the three steps that she gave was make a wish. So like, think of something that you want to see happen for yourself in your life. Um, the second one was take actions towards that wish or that goal. Um, once, once a day, like start basically acting like you already have what it is that you want. Um, and then the third one was like, look for inspiration or proof along the way, which was like, you know, people who have done that thing that you want to do either surround yourself with those people or look to those people and be like, Hey, look, it is possible because it's not like there's like, there's infinite amount of success or whatever that you can have in in the world so it's not just like oh because this person did it I can't do it Mm -hmm. and like comparison or like you know getting bitter because of that it's like oh this person did it so I can too and I can learn the steps to to get there and I think that's um 
yeah, like all of those are really important. And it is kind of ironic because Rachel and Nikki both are some of those like proof people for me. <laughs> so mm. I think it's nice to, I mean, it's pretty, pretty cool to have them around all the time. I mean, I've looked up to both of them um, before I ever started running with them. So it's pretty cool to have them around and be like, oh, there's proof that I can, you know, like the way that Rachel manages her emotions and it has such a positive attitude and is able to like be resilient, bounce back from anything that's happened to her really. And like with Nikki, I, I mean, I messaged them before we, um, like before we'd ever spoken. And it's really funny because we bring it up sometimes on like runs or just like one time we were hanging out, they literally brought up the message on their phone and was like, this you like remember when you were a fangirl <laughs> and I'm like oh god please what did the message say um I mean overall because this is still something that I um like say to them all the time now like it was basically just thanking them and applauding them for their courage to be so open and honest on social media with, with like who they are what they stand for and what they believe in because I, I it's hard like it's not you know it takes a lot of courage to do that and it and you're gonna get backlash but I think that they're just so secure in like who they are and what they're doing and it's it's like yeah it's an awesome energy to be around and both both Rachel and Nikki um inspire me in that way of like feel like they are pretty secure in in who they are know who they are and take action to you know like be open about that but then also just like live that lifestyle so um yeah it's pretty cool to be around them all the time (laughs) yeah we're super lucky to have Nikki and Rachel in the running space in the community um is it mostly the three of you running together like who else are you training with it's mostly the it's like I would say they're my like training partners and that's who I train with um it's really nice to have um Hannah Steelman out Mm -hmm. here because she's she's still uh being coached by my mom um but like we'll link up for some for some recovery runs and we live together so it's like just nice to have that energy because um even though we're like former teammates we're like always gonna be teammates so at heart go pack (laughs) go pack (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah so I'm I'm training with with Nikki and Rachel and it's been really fun hey everybody a quick break here Are you taking elderberry syrup this cold and flu season? Because if you are, I've got the place to get it from. And that is Green Growers Farm. Stacy, who is a podcast host in the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network, her and her husband, Kyle, have a small farm where they make their own elderberry syrup. Elderberry is an immune modulating herb which brings balance to the immune system, reducing stress, decreasing inflammation, and helping to prepare the body for cold and flu season naturally. If you do get sick, it's proven to help reduce severity and duration, and it's also safe for your kids to take. If your children are under one, they can use the DIY kit that Stacy and Kyle sell as well, and just use maple syrup or your favorite sweetener instead. So this elderberry syrup also has cinnamon, ginger, rose hips, which is great for vitamin C and clove, And I've been taking this every day because, you know, all these kids I have, they're just germ factories. High quality ingredients, supporting a small business. If you're going to buy elderberry, buy it from Stacy and Kyle. You know that the ingredients are sourced well, and this is the real deal. Go to greengrowers.farm 
Use the code SANDYBOY and that'll get you free shipping. Get yourself some elderberry syrup. Support your immune system. Support a small business. And uh, we just keep our bottle in the fridge. And I've been taking a tablespoon every day, which I'm going to be doing for the whole month. That's greengrowers.farm. Use the code SANDYBOY at checkout for free shipping. All right, back to the show. So did did Nikki and Rachel or Mike have a bigger pull in you moving to Flagstaff as far as like, did you want those training partners or did you want Mike as your coach or both? It was a combination of everything. Um, and I think like at that point, like it's kind of crazy how it all happens. Like I was, I'd already been planning probably like a year in advance. Like I had started talking like, chatting with coaches because you know I knew that I wanted to run professionally um and I wanted to see like what situation was best for me and when I first set out I was so set on like being in a group because um I was like oh I know myself and if I don't have other motivated people around Mm -hmm. me then it's going to be really easy for me to just be super dramatic and not want to like go on a recovery run because I'm alone (laughs) especially like right now it's snowing I'd be alone that would be a mess um thankfully I almost never have to do anything alone and I think that that was Mike kind of pointed that out to me when we had a a one-on-one meeting um he kind of said like you know as an individual like you kind of get to choose who you want to train with and be around all the time and in a group you don't always get to choose and I'm sure that you know it would have been just as fun to be in a group but um it was nice to like move out here and um like I said like Rachel like because at the time it was just me and Rachel okay and um and so Rachel Rachel was a big reason because I looked up to her a lot already. And we'd, um, we'd linked up for some stuff like here and there. Like I'd been in Flagstaff and doing some training camps, some altitude camps. And so she and I had like linked up for a few runs and stuff like that. And I'd gotten to know her and, and um, yeah, I just want to want to surround myself with people that, um, that I look up to. And then talking to Mike, I think it was, it was one of our first conversations. It was the first, it was the first conversation that I remember um, but I did take an unofficial visit to Georgetown when he was, um, coaching there. Oh. So he walked me around the Georgetown campus when I was in high school. And I have no memory of this, thankfully, because <laughs> I would not be able to look at him the same, but every now and again, he's like, oh yeah, I remember high school Ellie, like walking in in her like hot topic outfit, like dark <laughs> makeup. Um, she was like, I don't even want to be here. <laughs> so, so yeah, that was, I'm glad I don't remember that, but it was like one of our first conversations and, um, yeah, I just felt very like comfortable and confident in um, moving out to Flagstaff and and training with them. So I think combination of of a lot of things just it just made sense. So and thankfully it's been working out. Um, my other interview today was with Paige Stoner, another Flagstaff gal, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun to and ACC. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She mentioned that you guys competed together a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. Um... I, like, it's cool to see her out here, too, because, I mean, you know, like, you you know people through, like, the sport and stuff, and I feel like I, we've probably been on, like, a few cool downs or something yeah. together, like, just, you know, like, very brief stuff, but, yeah, it's it's pretty cool to have to have that connection out here. Um, so, what's your favorite thing about working with Mike, and, and I guess we've already t- talked about the training partners, but um, what are your biggest values that you see in, in him as your coach? I really, really value the fact that he, um, like, when we have meetings about, like, 
season ahead or training or racing and stuff. It's, it's kind of like I said, like with psychology and like my therapist, like I think we probably spend about like 10 minutes maybe talking about the running stuff. And the majority of it is like, um, how are you doing mentally and emotionally here? Can you see yourself living here and training here and really being like all in on the process Mm -hmm. here? And so I like that he definitely takes the coaching outside of just like the running and is like, okay, you as a person, are you like, how are you handling the workload? How are you handling mentally, emotionally, everything that's going on here? So um, I really value that. And just the fact that like, he's very like motivating within the running stuff. Um, It's like funny sometimes on workouts, how like he'll kind of like his mood will change or something. He's like really, really just like, like he'll be a cheerleader and your coach sometimes during, during a workout. Cause I mean, I think it is important to instill confidence. Like, you know, if I, I go out and like PR in something in a, in a workout, then, you know, I'm, I'm glad that he's always hyping, hyping that up and stuff. And just that he knows to push that kind of stuff Mm. because, um, I think a lot of that confidence has been built from doing things that like narratives that I put in my head of like, like I came in at one point and I was like, Oh yeah, I've never broken 60 in the 400. Like, I don't, I don't even know if I can. And then the next day he was like, all right, we're starting this workout with you running at 59. <laughs> and I was like, what? Really? <laughs> I was like, you're joking. Right. <laughs> um, and you and did just, like things like that. And I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. That's so awesome. That's so good. So after you won your NCAA title, you go on to play sixth at the Olympic trials, which is huge. I mean, so, so young, so fresh. What were you expecting from that experience? And how did you feel after the experience? Um, It was really nice to go into that one with like zero expectations, um, which then following it up with like, then I started setting expectations Uh for myself. So definitely had to manage that a bit because I think like coming out of college I'm just like oh there's no pressure here like I'm just you know mixing it up with the pros seeing how I do I do think that like because I think I've said this before but like I really think that like the way that the college stuff is set up was like kind of perfectly for um for that kind of racing because I think for the for um pros a lot of the time at least from what I've seen in my first year a lot of it is like either time trial unless you're like the person controlling the race or one of the few people mm-hmm. like up there controlling the race everyone else is just like running all out the whole time you know it's just time trial and then you get to like those competitive um like tactical races and I think that it's like I mean it's a, it's an adjustment it's an adjustment in college I remember like my first or second tactical race of the season was always like shock to the system you know and that would usually be at conference and then at regionals and then you do it again at nationals so like I think having that set up going into the Olympic Mm -hmm. trials I was I was ready for it to be more tactical and it was and so I was just you know trying to like pick off anyone who had like you know gone with a move that like now they were fading back from or something like that but I think that it's like um yeah you're set up pretty well I think coming off of the college season because it is a lot of racing but a lot of the ones at the end are very tactical. And so you're, you're just kind of used to that. So how do you manage your expectations now coming off that as your first year pro? Um, something that Smith and I kind of were talking about a lot in the first year was, um, was trying to kind of detach from the outcome based mm. or outcome oriented goals, which I get like, it's interesting in the sport of running. Cause I feel like, like the outcome 
outcomes can look very different, like whether that be time or place or whatever. Um, but just trying to genuinely focus on like, like the inner child part of like, you know, when you would just go like when I say like, I just loved competing when I was younger, I didn't care about like time or place or whatever was going on. And I think that's like trying to get back to that mindset and tap back into that is like, you know, time place is whatever, but like, how many bodies can I beat? Mm. Like, how can I test my fitness and test myself and see where I'm at right now? Um, without attaching all of that worth onto like, a time or a place. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like, that gets hard when like you because you know, you have like goals for yourself, and you have like an idea of what you want to accomplish. But I'm trying to keep it as as that of like, just in just an idea, just like, a, okay, like it, this would be nice. Um, if I surprise myself, that's great. Um, if I don't, but I know that I gave it everything that I had, then that's also great. Yeah. It sounds like a more pressure free way to race. Yeah. Because I, um, I've definitely experienced the other side of that too, of like, um, there was a point in college where I got so set on the time fifteen twenty because that was, mm-hmm. that was the Olympic trials qualifying. And that was during COVID actually, I was like, like, that's what I gave myself as like my goal. I was like, okay, well, I don't really know what's going on right now, but there's going to be some meets that pop up here and there. I'm going to train really hard so I can run 15 under fifteen twenty, and I can go to the Olympic trials. Um, and that was my goal for a good bit. And that wrecked me. Like mm-hmm. I, I literally, um, going into every race, I was like fifteen twenty, fifteen twenty. I have to hit fifteen twenty. So if I heard like a split or two that were too slow off of that pace that I knew that I wanted to be hitting, it was so easy for me to just like give in or like give up on myself and, um, and like, just feel sorry for myself. You know, like I, like my form would just start like breaking down and I'd be like, Oh, I can't, I can't do it. Like, that's it. It's over. And I'd just be waiting to get to the finish line, you know, um, and would completely zone out. And like, it's funny to me looking back on it now because like I've grown a lot from that, but like it, it was, I laughed when I actually broke 15, 20, like I, after that I was, I went up to my mom. I went up. To, I was like, I, I went into the race where I actually broke it being like, Oh, let's just see like what I can do tonight. Like, let's just see how fast I can, I can run tonight. And I like let go of that expectation, that outcome. And I crossed the line and I, I forget exactly what time it was at this point, but it was under fifteen twenty. And I looked at the clock and I was like, well, isn't that like ironic? Like, yeah. isn't that just like, you know? <laughs> so I think at that point, I just kind of learned, I started to learn the, the process of like, letting go of that. Because now, um, when I, I ran my PR this, this past summer, even then I had Emily Pritt, she's like an older sister to me, mm-hmm. and um, also works like with my agency and stuff. And she was there at the meet and she's calling out splits. And I knew what I like wanted to run. And she called I, th- I remember I heard like two or three splits that were like slower than what my goal was. And I, so I like, I heard that I processed it in the race. And then I I just remember thinking like, well, that's fine. I'll just make up for it in the kick. Like I can make this. It's a few seconds. Like, what are you talking about? I can just close the last lap in like a 64. That's awesome. (laughs) So it was nice to like have that kind of mental shift of like, I like, like actually to notice that and say, okay, at one point, if I heard those splits, I would have given up. I would have let my form break down. I would have just been like, okay, next time. And that time I was like, okay, that's nothing. Like, I'll make up for it. 1452? 1452. That feels good to break 15. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It was, um, 
it was kind of funny because I think my dad was looking it up afterwards. He was looking up like PRs and stuff. Um, and Rachel and I have, I, well, hers is like point something faster than mine, but okay. we have like this quote unquote, like same PR. And so <laughs> we were on the phone the other day and I forgot what we were referencing. And she goes, wait, what's our PR again? And I just <laughs> thought that was so funny. I was like, I love that for us. That's so good. <laughs> I love that. When you were trying to break 1520, did you imagine a sub 15 would come so soon? Absolutely not. Yeah. I, I still saw that as something that I was like, I just, yeah, I just saw that as like a whole different level. And I think that that's, that's the fun part about surprising yourself and, and letting go of the outcome because that was also the thing I was like, I was like, like a year ago. No, not a year ago. From, from my fifth year to um, the end of my pro first rookie year, um, I think I dropped, I think it was 26 seconds or something like that. Wow. And literally would have never, yeah, I just, when I was so focused on time and outcome and stuff, I was, felt like I was banging my head against a wall. And then when I finally was able to let go of that, I was like, oh, wow, look at like something I never even, like I didn't have on my radar until like a few years down the road. I remember telling Coach Smith at the beginning, I was like, at some point in my career, I'd like to break 15 minutes. And he's like, well, you can do that this year. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, what do you mean? <laughs> But it was nice to see that he had that faith in me and my mom did too. And so it's nice to like when the, like the people in your corner um, believe in you in that way. It's it's empowering for sure. I think that's so relatable. So many people listening obviously are not professional runners, but they have these time goals and they're marathons and half marathons. And you got to put the training in, but then you got to let the expectations <laughs> like go and then just yeah. listen to your body and run the race that you're capable of running. Um, it's really hard to do though, cause you get real focused on that time. And I think especially in marathons, like you cross over the half and you're like, okay, like, can I negative split this? And then you become obsessive. And if you just shake it out and listen to your body and let that lead the way over letting the time lead the way you're going to have a better outcome. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's, um, it's a hard mindset to, um, I just, I just think it takes practice just like anything. Like, I think it takes practice of, of being in the moment and letting go of, of that expectation and that pressure. Well, Ellie, what is uh, something professionally or personally you would like to do that you have not done yet? Professionally, I would like to make, um, a team, a world team, Olympic team, all that kind of, that kind of stuff. Um, and I guess it's also professionally not running wise. Um, I'd like to get my master's and maybe PhD in clinical and start my own practice for psychology. That's awesome. What's the best, most recent book you've read? Um, I go between, I either am reading like sci-fi, fantasy, dystopia novels or self-help books. And that's, that's it. There's no in between. <laughs> so um, in both ends, I was reading Fire and Blood, um, which is the House of the Dragon uh -huh. Um book what that's based off of I'm a big Game of Thrones nerd so I would always suggest that it is kind of more of like a history book read though and then um self-help wise um maybe you should talk to someone I think that's uh probably my favorite uh, self-help slash like psychology book that I've read in a long time very on theme with our with our conversation today yeah what are what show are you binging right now I just finished White Lotus. Okay. Actually, everybody's talking um, about that. Of it. 
Yeah, I know. It's a pretty popular one, um, which I, know, I feel like is definitely worth the watch. It can be a little like weird at sometimes, but I think that I, mean, I think there's a lot of good themes um, that you can learn from or like just interesting themes in general. But that and and as I just said, like I'm rewatching Game of Thrones again because I've got nothing else to do with my life and I'm obsessed. Oh, and you recommend the Jonah Hill documentary. And the Jonah Hill documentary. Yes. Yeah. Stutz is really really good I gotta watch that if you could have coffee tea or cocktail with someone fun motivating or inspiring who would it be I definitely think of like fictional characters usually but I think like so that I can combine the two I would say Emma Watson because Mm. I think that I was in love with Hermione Granger Mm. for most of my life and but then I also like really like Emma Watson outside of um acting stuff and like just activism and like who she his and how she carries herself because I don't know who she is that's why I want to learn who she is yeah oh we're on book three I'm reading those with my with my kids right now so it's, oh that's amazing. I read it up I remember time. that time. yeah <laughs> I mean my youngest is probably he's way too my younger two are probably too young like they zone out but um we finish a book and then we watch the movie so that's that's like our fun thing right now that's fun uh what is your last message to leave with our audience um I think because it's really been helping me recently, but like, um, like funks and feeling overwhelmed is very common, but I, there's a lot of things that you can do every single day in order to kind of turn your life around and make it what you want it to be. I think I needed that today. What was the one thing though that I mentioned before? Um, I heard you say something about, how we like make up in our minds what we think is to be true and it's not actually happening, but we believe it. Do you know what I'm talking about? How we need to pay attention to the narratives that we create about ourselves and our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we can like totally get down a path. That's just like, we're thinking it's like, you know, we're we're dead set that this is the thing and we've like completely made this up in our Mm -hmm. head and it might not even actually be true. And you said that and I was like, I needed to hear that today. And then we had this conversation today and it's been, it's been really helpful and therapeutic in its own way for, for me as the host as well. So I thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. This is, I, I know that you're saying like getting to that deeper stuff and getting to that like personal stuff. It's, very therapeutic for me as well so thank you so much for being open to talking about that stuff all right everybody thanks for being here today thank you ellie for coming on the podcast you can find ellie on instagram underscore l-e-e-l-l-y fant p-h-a-n-t underscore you can find me i am lindsey hine 626 on instagram at lindsey hine on twitter And we have a Facebook group called I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine on Facebook. Uh, If you want to learn more about this podcast or any of the shows in our network, go to sandyboyproductions.com. I also host a podcast for parents myself called Why Is Everyone Yelling? Uh, Something I find myself saying often to both myself, my husband, and my kids. Um, So that's why we named that podcast that. And then don't forget to check out the Ready to Run podcast, which is a podcast hosted by Dr. Efren Cabalas and Kurt Roser out of Boulder, Colorado. They are bringing you all the information on running injuries and injury prevention. They've got some great interview episodes over there, as well as some just informational episodes from Dr. Efren and Kurt. 
We are so grateful for you listening to any of the shows in the Sandy Boy Network. If you want to learn more information about our sponsors, anything we talked about in this episode, just go to sandyboyproductions.com. Elderberry syrup from Green Growers Farm. Use the code SANDYBOY at checkout. That will get you free shipping. Uh, Prevenex, where I get all my vitamins and supplements. Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER. And uh, lastly, come meet me down in Jacksonville the weekend of February 3rd through 5th for the Donna Marathon weekend. I'm doing the half marathon. I would love to see you there. Breastcancermarathon.com. Use the code Lindsay10 at checkout. Friends, thanks for being here. Have a great rest of your day, and we will see you next week on All Have Another.